Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. I talk a lot about stress and how stress can impact your overall health, and there's a good reason why. I speak from experience when I talk about stress and its impacts. I've always been a type A, highly stressed, overachieving type person. As a kid, I was a good student who always did their homework, even while juggling competitive gymnastics, and I was extremely disciplined in managing my responsibilities. I'm sure many of you can relate to how being like this as a young child can end up manifesting as an adult. For me, it resulted in being very stressed and anxious. Some of that stress and anxiety was of my own creation, and some of it was the environment that I was placed in. But over time, that stress built to burnout, and my health really paid the price. On today's episode, I'm going to get candid about how stress impacted me and my health and what I've been doing to get myself back to feeling good again. Let's get into it. First, let's dig into the background of what I had going on that was causing my body so much stress in the first place. I am going to paint a picture of all the different kinds of stressors that were impacting me over the past, probably we're looking at over a decade. The reason why I'm going so far back is because this has accumulated over my lifetime. And for many of you, you're impacted in the same way. This isn't something that just happened in a span of one month or six months or one year. This has been something that's been building for a long period of time. And I really want to show and demonstrate that in my own experience. For as long as I can remember, I've operated under the impression that I had to be busy and filling my time all the time. When I was in school, I always had a job or even two. When I retired from gymnastics, I filled that time with fitness. When I left school and entered the corporate world, I worked at least two jobs on the side as a dog sitter and a fitness instructor. I feel like this is very type A behavior because there's a lot of guilt that comes with the act of doing nothing. At the time, though, I didn't see this as stress. And sometimes that's what happens is we don't realize that we are stressed because we do not necessarily see our situation as stress. This is what I consider to be normal. And that's the problem is that we normalize this type of living. So I had no idea that this constant grind was actually having an impact on me and that that impact was building over time into something much bigger. I also often found myself in jobs that I was unhappy in. In my last corporate job, it wasn't entirely uncommon during the final months of being in that position for me to be driven to tears. I felt overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, and constantly frustrated. I thought that if I left the corporate world to pursue fitness as a career, I would be happier. To some degree, I did find happiness in fitness as my career. I'm not saying that I'm unhappy with that right now. It is something that I am truly passionate about. I love coaching. I love learning about the health and fitness space. 
And I truly felt like I was really good at my job when I entered the health and fitness realm. But on the flip side, the fitness industry is by no means an easy one. It is a grind. And I found myself working again, long hours, waking up really early in the morning to coach. And I found myself also in a toxic work environment that over time really took its toll on my mental and emotional well-being. Again, I accepted this as my reality for a long time because I knew that I was starting over in a new career and that I was aware that I didn't enter an industry that was easy and being highly stressed was status quo for me. My hope was that working for myself as an online coach would reduce that stress, but the reality is that entrepreneurship is extremely stressful. Now, call me naive for thinking that, but obviously that's just not how it panned out for me. But again, I accepted this stress. I knew that there would be a lot of stress because I knew that there was a lot of work that came with running my business. I wasn't naive in that aspect where I didn't know that what I was doing was going to require a lot from me. But I do believe that I underestimated how much truly and what kind of stress would manifest over time. And I'm going to get into more about the stress that I created for myself in a bit and how that played into the stress that I have felt as an online coach in this space. Stress for me really piled up in the last couple of years. First of all, everyone went through the pandemic, and I think we can all agree on how that, to say it lightly, fucked our shit up. Then Sean and I took on wedding planning, which if you've ever planned a wedding, you know how stressful that is. And I considered myself one of the lucky ones because Sean was really involved in the process and he was so helpful. So shout out to all of the brides who do it on their own, because I truly do not know how you do it and maintain your sanity. My chronic back pain, as I've told this story countless times on my Instagram, my chronic back pain came to a head and I finally had to stop doing CrossFit and completely pull back on my fitness to rehab. I honestly became very bitter around that time. I knew that what I was doing was the right thing, but I was so angry at the pain that I was in and how I couldn't do what I wanted to do because of it. Then in January of 2023, I signed up for a new certification and absolutely threw myself into it, leaving myself absolutely no breathing room whatsoever for six months straight. Beyond my career, I was unknowingly placing a lot of stress on my body as well. I've been very candid about the fact that I restricted my calories and dieted for a decade, all while doing high-intensity fitness. Post-college, I was doing CrossFit five to six days a week, plus teaching two to three spin classes a week, plus running three to four days a week on average, about three to six miles at a time. I was obsessed with fitness, both in a healthy way, but also an unhealthy way. Fitness was a passion that I found after gymnastics. It was an outlet for my energy, and I felt empowered and powerful when I learned how to lift and train hard. Running was, for a long time, something that I genuinely really enjoyed doing. I loved running through the city of Boston, where I lived at the time, and where my runs took me. But my obsessive behavior around fitness was driven by severe insecurity. I didn't like my body and fitness was how I sought to control that part of me. And really, it wasn't so much that I didn't like my body, but I didn't like myself. I lacked self-confidence and self-love. And I was in the mindset that being as thin as possible would change that, but it never did. My nutrition was a hot mess as well, beyond just under fueling my body for the level of exercise and intensity I was doing. 
in college, I went vegetarian and even vegan at one point. And while I thought I was being healthier, I was also relying heavily on processed food to replace my protein and such with like fake meats and whatnot. I was vegetarian until about 2017 or 2018, at which point my diet became healthier because once I was eating animal meat again, I reduced my processed food consumption. I was also on a binge and restrict pattern every week. My weekdays would be perfectly meal prep meals according to my restrictive macro amounts, but my weekends were filled with junk food, eating out in excess, and of course, binge drinking. I was riding this roller coaster every week, and I assumed that being so quote unquote healthy Monday through Friday would undo all the damage that I did to myself all weekend, which as we know, is not the case. I was also an avid coffee drinker. I would regularly start with about two cups of coffee in the morning, one of which I drank fasted first thing in the morning. I'm talking like 4.30 a.m. when I woke up and started driving to go coach. Then there would be times that I would also get an afternoon coffee around 2 p.m. I've referenced this a bit already, but there is the stress that we experience in our life, and then there is stress that we personally create. The boundaries of such are often very blurred, and it's hard to see that the stress we are experiencing is actually created and thus can be controlled by ourselves. Personal trauma, toxic work environments, and the nature of the business that I was in were stressors that I could not necessarily control, but I had to learn how to properly cope with these things, which admittedly for a long time, I was not coping at all. Working long hours, staying in a toxic environment longer than I should have, not having proper coping mechanisms for dealing with stress, and undereating and overtraining were various stressors that I created for myself. When you're in this high stress and overwhelmed state, it can be really difficult to problem solve and a lot easier to accept your reality and feel like it's not in your control. The alternative requires leaving comfort zones, taking risks, and doing the hard inner work that isn't always fun. I have personally struggled with my mental health since college, but I was medicated with an SSRI and just felt like my anxiety was an extension of my personality. It was who I was and how I felt, and I truly didn't believe that I could change that, and my only option was to medicate. I guess that's not entirely true because I did work with therapists on and off over the years, but healing takes time, and it can be incredibly difficult and painful as you go through the process. And I figured that as much as I healed, I would probably likely still be anxious. Now, this is a great segue into what my symptoms were, because I do believe that my anxiety was a symptom of the negative impact all of this stress was having on me. When we are not taking care of ourselves, we can experience symptoms such as anxiety and depression and feelings of overwhelm, which becomes a catch-22. Feeling this way often inhibits our ability to take care of ourselves. Meanwhile, not taking care of ourselves causes us to continue to feel this way. In addition, I developed eczema in college, which is an autoimmune disorder. If you're not familiar with it, it's an autoimmune disorder of the skin. Um, I typically break out in rashes, mainly on my hands and my ankles. I used to get these rashes up and down my arms and in other areas as well on my body. When it first presented itself to me in college, I had really terrible, basically open sores up up and down my entire arm. And I thankfully haven't had a reaction like that since, but it was really dramatic how it came on and learning how to manage my skin condition over time became a challenge. 
Now, what we need to understand is that oftentimes autoimmune disorders can be triggered by stress, not just flare-ups, but also the onset of them. Now, while I can't necessarily confirm it, I do theorize that the stress that I was placing on my body with my partying and lack of nutrients in my diet and the mental stress that I was experiencing and was not necessarily coping with likely contributed to my eczema. Another symptom that I had was craving processed food. I, when I was preparing this podcast, I wanted to be like, oh, I've never really been a sweets person. But then when I really thought of it, I remember back to when I used to have chocolate in my fridge at all times, and I would pretty much just pick at it throughout the week. And I realize now that I don't do that at all anymore. I don't keep chocolate on hand and it's not because I'm restricting it. It's because I genuinely don't really eat it. It just, it's not something that I think about as often as I did before, which I feel goes to show that I was definitely dealing with sweet cravings at the time. But I am also more of a salty person. I like salty foods better. And I absolutely lacked control around salty foods. Like that's my personal kryptonite. And I was the kind of person who felt like I could not be trusted to have snacks in my home. So I didn't have them around, but put a bowl of chips in front of me and I would devour them without abandon. And I do believe that this is also a symptom that could have been heavily influenced by my restrictive behaviors as well, but a symptom of dysfunction nonetheless. The most prevalent symptom that I had for many years was constant fatigue. This was especially true between 2018 up until fairly recently. I'm talking like this year. The thing is, no matter how much stress I was under, my sleep was always a priority for me. I have never been one to function off of little to no sleep. And so I have always prioritized going to sleep as a, at a reasonable hour to get at least seven hours of sleep. So at least I had that going for me, but then that didn't explain why I was always so tired. It became like a joke between my husband and I, because I said it so often. So he'd be like, let me guess you're tired. I remember thinking things like I'm so tired. It hurts. It physically pained me how exhausted I was, but I existed like this for years because I just thought it was quote unquote normal. I worked as an early morning fitness coach for seven years which means I was waking up at 4 a.m. on a regular basis for years. But that also meant that I was in bed by 8 p.m. to do so. No, I wasn't asleep by 8 p.m., but I was always in bed by 8 p.m. I needed my coffee to function. And those afternoon cups were often what got me through an evening coaching shift after already working in early morning. Considering that I had no energy, another major symptom that I dealt with the past couple of years was a loss of libido. I hadn't even reached my thirties yet when I felt my libido completely tank. I feel like this is one of those symptoms that don't get spoken about much because it's uncomfortable either that, or again, it's heavily normalized. Oh, you get into a long-term relationship and you lose your spice. That's normal. But for me, this became a huge insecurity in my relationship. It's not that my husband ever made me feel bad about it, but I knew that how I was feeling wasn't right. And it was frustrating to me to feel that way and feel like I didn't have an answer as to why, because at the time I was totally in the dark on how my stress could have been contributing to this symptom. All of this that I have shared so far paints a picture for you that I'm sure you can likely relate to. Whether you have had shared experiences with me, such as restrictive eating or overtraining or experiencing high stress in your career, or you have similar symptoms that I have experienced, I bet most of you listening will feel like you have related to me at some point. 
So let's make something very clear. Living in a constant state of stress, whether you are acknowledging it or not, will take its toll on your health if it has not already. Feeling like shit or feeling out of control with food isn't normal and shouldn't be accepted as such. But you have to realize that things can change and you deserve to feel better and that you can feel better. For me, I finally came to that realization that something had to give and I could not continue to keep going the way that I was. I was tired of feeling shitty, so I decided to learn about how to better take care of myself. So let's get into what I've done to improve my health and well-being up until this point. The first piece was nutrition. This was something that I took on back in 2019 when I realized that macro tracking was doing more harm than good for me. I began focusing on fueling my body for the exercise that I was doing, which at the time was exclusively CrossFit, but still about five days a week. I also began focusing on nourishing my body with more whole real foods more consistently. Through a lot of hard work and habit change, I eliminated my binge and restrict patterns and my weekends incorporated more balanced meals without necessarily giving up indulgences and food freedom. But what I truly found was balance and better consistency. Over the years, I've also been working to seriously taper my alcohol intake. I recognize that alcohol and my binge drinking patterns were causing a lot of anxiety for me, or as many of us call it, anxiety. The anxiety was not exclusive to the day after drinking, but rather bleeding into my weekdays and severely hindering my mental state. And to be fully transparent, my binge drinking was a coping mechanism for me for a long time. I've really worked over the years to change my relationship with alcohol and reduce my consumption, though right now at this time, I am not completely sober. I do indulge from time to time, and I do absolutely still drink on the weekends from occasion. My The amount of which I drink varies, but I do try to keep it in check, and I do really try to be mindful of my drinking. I also reduced my caffeine intake. I first established a cutoff time for caffeine, which means that I set noon as the absolute latest that I could have caffeine. I will say that I have the occasional post-dinner cappuccino or evening espresso martini because those are like treats for me, but this is a very rare occurrence and I try to not make it a regular habit. I set this cutoff time so that the caffeine that I consumed would be fully digested and out of my system by the time that I went to bed, thus improving my sleep quality. Then I stopped drinking caffeine fasted first thing in the morning. Caffeine, when fasted, when then combined also with high stress, can spike cortisol levels. But honestly, when I cut this out, I didn't actually know this. The reason that I did it was because I wanted to reduce my total caffeine intake to one cup of coffee per day, and I wanted to consume that cup of coffee at a time that I could enjoy it the most. I found that my morning coffee was had out of necessity. And I drank it on my drive to coach at the gym and while I coached. So I was not connecting with the act of drinking it and I wasn't satisfied by it. It was literally just a caffeine hit. So instead, I chose to drink my coffee when I got home and sat down to eat breakfast when I could enjoy it. For my caffeine drinkers, though, this is such a simple shift in your mindset of rather than drinking it just to drink it, drink to enjoy it and you'll find that you might not need as much as you think. In time, I reduced the amount that I was exercising as well as the overall intensity. Part of this was somewhat unintentional. I stopped teaching spin classes because I moved to California and decided to focus solely on coaching CrossFit. Just honestly, realistically, adding spin classes felt like way too much and it just wasn't worth the hassle. 
I also stopped running because I was having knee pain, which was contributed from my back pain. And this prevented me from running anywhere over two miles. And eventually my knee pain got so bad that I couldn't run at all. As a result, I was no longer training for two hours most days and instead only one. Although there were times that I would lift for like an hour and a half or so. When I got my dog Thor, I started walking a lot more and was now getting in movement in a more parasympathetic way. Eventually, when I rehabbed my back pain, I eliminated the high intensity aspect of my training and shifted entirely to slow and intentional weightlifting. Without even knowing it, this shift was likely a huge part of my healing because for a year and a half, I reduced the stress my body was under from the constant high intensity fitness. Now I've added high intensity fitness back in, but only three days a week. And then I add one more day of slow lifting. From a mental health aspect, I mentioned my on and off work with therapists, which happened over the course of the last few years. And even this year, I was doing weekly sessions up until recently. It got exhausting and I needed a break, which I think is also something worth normalizing. But I dove into therapy very, very heavily this year. But in addition, I recognized that I wasn't happy on my SSRIs. And I made this decision a couple of years ago. I am not against pharmaceutical treatment for mental health, but I found that my experience was not positive with my treatment. SSRIs blunted my emotions, meaning that I couldn't feel the low lows, but I also couldn't feel the high highs. Admittedly, since I had been on my SSRIs, I had taken up smoking marijuana daily at night. I felt it was the only way that I could calm down and thus go to sleep at the end of my day. Interestingly enough, when I tapered off of my SSRIs, my marijuana usage decreased. This was not intentional, but this led me to realize that I was smoking to deal with the side effects from my SSRIs. So go figure. And in addition, chronic usage of THC can negatively impact sleep and sleep quality. So since then, I can also assume that my sleep quality has improved as well. I did replace my SSRIs with mushrooms. So I'm not completely unmedicated per se, but I have found this to be an option for me that really helps me with feeling stable, but without the downsides of SSRIs. I would say while I've come a long way in learning how to cope with my stress and anxiety, I am okay to admit this part is still a work in progress, but there is a lot of potential action that I've taken. As a business owner, I have implemented pretty strict boundaries for myself when it comes to my work. I always have an hour blocked off to take lunch and to walk Thor, and I almost always wrap up work around 6 p.m. If I do have to work late, I give myself at least 30 minutes prior to bed to wind down in some capacity. I recently also changed gyms where I coach, which reduced the stress of being in an environment that I was not happy in. I no longer work 5 a.m. shifts, and this has done wonders for my mental well-being because I can maintain a more normal schedule that also allows me to spend more time with my husband and feel like I can truly wind down from my day at the end. I incorporate regular walks, stretching, and reading as relaxing activities. I'm also working on how I respond to more acute instances of stress through the use of breath work and shifting my mindset. I've also worked to alter my social media usage. It's no secret that social media has a negative impact on mental health. And while doom scrolling feels like a great way to disassociate from the stress of everyday life, it's more likely doing harm to you. 
I regularly cleanse my feed by unfollowing or muting accounts that have a negative impact on me and my mental health. This includes fitness accounts that I might compare my body to. This includes fellow coaches that I might compare my business to and accounts that generally post negativity. This means at times I also do need to ignore and scroll past posts highlighting tragic news because the consumption of such is incredibly heavy and takes its toll. We don't necessarily have to be blind to what's going on around us, but I do think that constantly being fed traumatic events really takes a toll on you. And so if you're going to be absorbing information about what's going on in the world, sometimes it helps to have moments where you're being intentional about that rather than just consuming it all the time. I use an app called AppLock to block my social media sites from about 8 p.m. at night to 8 a.m. the following morning so that the last thing that I do before bed and the first thing that I do when I wake up is not scroll. I will catch myself slipping back into old behaviors, especially when I'm in a state of burnout. So it does take a little reminder that it's not doing me any good and to get back to reducing my doom scroll. From a supplementation perspective, I did also make some changes here. For one, I am on hormonal birth control and have been since I was 16, which mind you has also likely contributed to much of what I've experienced as well. Hormonal birth control is known to deplete quite a few nutrients, so I do supplement for majority of those. I have also been, over time, swapping out my supplements for higher quality supplements to ensure that the ones that I'm taking are actually doing me good. At the moment, I am currently on a multivitamin, vitamin D, EPA, DHA, vitamin C, and magnesium glycinate. I was on zinc for a really long time, but very recently stopped taking this as my multi covers my needs for that. I briefly did try supplementing with maca to help with my libido temporarily. I am honestly unsure if I can attribute the maca to the return of my libido because I did stop taking it after a month and have not had any issues with my libido since. So yes, my libido ticked up at the same time that I started taking maca, but there were other things at play. And so I can't positively say that was what did it for me. It is quite possible that it was a combination of actions that ultimately worked. So let's get into the results. How have all of these actions that I've taken impacted me and my health, especially from a symptom perspective? First, while my mental health is not perfect, I do feel that I don't experience the debilitating anxiety that I used to feel. Back in college and a little after, I would feel shaky and uneasy and just sad out of nowhere but I don't feel like I have those extreme symptoms any longer. I rarely have cravings. And really the only time that I do is the occasional PMS craving. But for me, a common symptom is just simply increased hunger. And I do respond to that with just eating more food and an occasional indulgent snack. I do not consume chocolate on the daily anymore. And I do not feel the need to have it on hand at all times to pick up. My fatigue is definitely improving. I wouldn't say that's completely fixed because I'm only a few months out of being in extreme burnout. So to put things into perspective, I was in severe burnout basically right up until I left for Europe. And then Europe was like this huge relief of a break for me, right? I took a two and a half week to three week vacation. And it was the first real vacation that I've taken where I felt like I could truly disconnect and relax and enjoy myself. And coming out of Europe is basically when I started realizing 
the state of burnout that I was in and that things had to change. So I'm recording this podcast in October. I'm talking about coming out of burnout essentially about four months ago. So I do believe that there is still some work to be done. But the good news is, is I do not have the constant and chronic fatigue that I felt for the last couple of years. My energy is a lot more consistent and stable on a regular basis. I'm tired sometimes, absolutely. But like I said, I do think that is a work in progress. And finally, as I mentioned before, I got my libido back to a completely normal level. To put things into perspective, the process I just explained to you happened over the course of years. I'm talking multiple years, right? I mentioned how I healed my relationship with food and improved my nutrition starting in 2019. And I would say that that was a catalyst to a host of actions that I've taken since then. Now, the thing is, is that does not mean it's going to take you (laughs) that much time to heal. And, you know, for me, I didn't know what I was doing at times. And there were also times that I wasn't even aware that there was something that I had to fix. Some of the actions that I took, I did for different reasons and now realize that in hindsight, how it benefited me for these other reasons. I learned this process as I went and picked up nuggets along the way as I've learned and studied as a coach. Healing the effects of chronic stress takes time, but when you recognize what's going on, know what process to follow and have the proper guidance on how to heal it, it can go much faster than it took me. Thankfully, I've lived and experienced this so I can help my clients heal on a far more efficient trajectory than my own. There are still actions that I am looking to take in the future. As I said, I'm only a few months out of being in an incredibly burnt out state, so I still have healing to do. I recently had labs done for myself, which showed some positive results, but also some areas for me to continue to explore and work on. I am looking to switch from my hormonal birth control to a non-hormonal birth control before the end of the year, and then I will begin my work to get my hormones in check for the months after that. I am very curious to see if doing so has any impact on my mental health, and my hypothesis is that it likely will. And I'm still very much working on my stress, my triggers, actively implementing coping mechanisms, and taking care of myself each day to continue to heal internally. What I hope you were able to take away from this episode is a better understanding of how stress can have negative impacts on your health through seeing it in a real live case study, even if I am using myself. (laughs) I feel like the common conversation I'm having with people right now in my DMs is that the burnout is just so real. I want this story to inspire you through the realization that you do not have to accept feeling like shit. And there are actions that you can take to help yourself feel better, but you have to address the stress and determine what is within your power to change. I know some of you are in situations that aren't necessarily as easy to change. And I understand that I was in jobs that I didn't like for longer than I needed to be in all because I needed that security and because I didn't have many options to jump to. So I can understand how work stress and financial stress and things like that can really weigh on you. And it feels like there's no way out, but I do believe that how you interpret this information and how you perceive your stress and then how you go around coping with it really impacts how you move forward. If you found this episode to be valuable, I would very much appreciate it if you shared it either to your Instagram or with a friend or family member who could benefit from it. Until next time, I will catch you in two weeks.
Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom. Thank you.